So, if we're formed in these three things, the world will be sanctified. What three things? According to Apostolicum Exoositatum, talking, working, and loving. Let's talk more about them. Welcome to A Word from Our Outpost. With Joseph and Crystal Gruber. A podcast for Catholic disciples who are wrestling the missionary mind in their normal everyday lives. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come Holy Spirit, teach us to pray. Guide our hearts and guide our minds to be more well-formed into what our Father has created us to be. We ask this in the holy name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So we're continuing on. Apostolicum exuositatum. Yes. And we're on to paragraph 31. Everybody's at the edge of their seats right now. I can tell because we in order to record this, are sitting on the edge of our seat, and <laughs> we might be some of the only listeners. Also, whether our listeners know it or not, they should be at the edge of their seat, because I reread this, maybe read it for the first time, I'm not sure, this evening, and I suggested that maybe we just read it and call that our podcast, because it's awesome. And I said if we were going to do that, we should have recorded it earlier, Instead of talked about all the other things we could have said. So we did have more of a conversation. So we are going to talk a little bit more about it other than just read it. And probably we won't just read it, but we recommend reading. I am going to include the paragraph in the uh, show description this time. I realized in prior ones, I could have just copied and pasted them in. And I'll go and address that, redo that. So this little paragraph starts out by saying various types of the apostolate demand also a specific suitable formation. So it goes into a couple more specifics, and there are three little sections, section A, B, and C in this. So um, section A is referring to, in regard to the apostolate for evangelizing and sanctifying men, and it really just focuses on conversation. It does. Uh, the lady must be specially formed to engage in conversation with others, believers or non-believers, in order to manifest Christ's message to all men. And I really love this, in order to manifest Christ's message to all men. So, I mean, being prepared to explicitly proclaim the gospel to somebody, but but more than that, having conversations that lead upwards. So not, I mean, we did a whole podcast just on conversation, but that like being intentional and thoughtful about. We did? Yeah. What was it called? Oh, I don't remember. I just remembered when it came out of my mouth. Oh. Otherwise we could have looked that up. We'll probably do more on them. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially after reading this document, but, but being able to have conversations that that intentionally point upwards in a way that's appropriate, right? That's going to look differently when you're talking to another believer that's really excited about documents from the Second Vatican Council than it does with a a non-believer family member with whom you are in a testy relationship with. And everything in between. Yes. Um, Or coworker in the middle of work or whatever, that, that that conversation will look different but should always point in an upward direction. Yeah. And the, um, 
the note that it should be with others, believers or non-believers, the sense that they're giving that we, in order to truly converse with someone, we need to be taking into account the whole of that person, where they're coming from, where they are currently headed, um, and, and totally respect where they're at, at that moment. Um, and to have a boldness, to not be afraid of boldness, but also to have patience when that's required. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so meeting them where they are and being willing to walk with them someplace greater than where they maybe were heading in the first place. And there's there are so many different kinds of materials in the secular world about how to have good conversations and we've read some of them we've benefited from some of them some of them are probably still trying to sink in um but the 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 impetus behind these conversations is to walk with them closer to our lord um, to manifest christ's message to all men um, and that manifestation can be in word or in written word or spoken word. Um, all of these, by the way, are presupposing a fundamental life of holiness, a life rooted in faith, hope, and love. Um, a lot of paragraph 31 mirrors what happens in paragraph 16 of this document, where it's talking about various types of the apostolate. So in 16, it talks about various types. And now in paragraph 31 is talking about uh, the formation for those different types. And this is also maybe uh, a bit of a relief to know uh, that we aren't fully formed in how to have conversations that make manifest Christ's message to all men, right? That there's still more formation to be had. So if I beat myself up on, you know, going out to lunch with somebody and not really manifesting Christ's message to, to them, um, to know, well, okay, that's where where I am right now. I can seek out greater formation. There is more formation out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually appropriate to be in progress. Yeah. And if you're lucky enough to have somebody in your life that you've noticed is particularly good at having these kinds of conversations, having more conversations with that person is the best way to be formed and to ask them questions about what's going on essentially behind the scenes, right? What are they thinking about in the midst of these conversations to be able to engage so well? Yeah. If you can think of somebody that you particularly admire in their way of expressing the gospel to people, uh, first off, let them know, um, because that's a way to give greater glory to God. And then second off, yeah, be, you know, cling to them, uh, not, not in a, um, not in a creepy way. <laughs> Not in a creepy way. But but in a way of saying, like, I, I want to learn this from you. Mm-hmm. I, I want to observe you. So find ways to go and be with them in social circumstances where you can observe them. Or uh, just, yeah, as Crystal said, talk with them and ask them questions about what ha- happened. Mm-hmm. And I think what we've found is after we have a conversation with people, to take a moment to debrief and to talk about, Oh, here was this opportunity. Here was that opportunity. Yeah, I felt it, but I, I didn't, I didn't act on it or I went for it. Didn't know what would happen. Looks like nothing happened. I think it was good that we tried, mm-hmm. you know, to have, uh, somebody there who can have an extra set of eyes on 
on these conversations. Yeah. And then, and whether that's, I mean, it's awesome when you can do that with an extra set of eyes, but even being able to do that independently after a conversation to look back on it is sort of, you know, a little bit of an examine of, could I do something? Could I have done something differently? What did this look like? It's coming to mind. We recently were on an airplane and on the ride home, I really felt like we were supposed to talk to the person sitting in the aisle with us. And he, we were with a small child and he denied moving twice. So he clearly was okay with sitting by us, but engaging him in conversation was like pulling teeth. And the things that we did found out, I feel like we really were supposed to have more of a conversation with him, but it wasn't happening. Yeah. And I, I, in this particular instance, I don't think I, I, I haven't come up with something we could have done differently. There, there have been plenty of other conversations where I think, oh, I could have done this. I could have said that. Oh, I talked too much about myself and I didn't ask them questions in response. You know, there's a long list of things. But in this particular instance, there was something strange going on that I don't think was. And I agree with her about that because I thought we did a great job. (laughs) And I think he was not interested um, not in a, I'm offended that you want to talk to me in any kind of a way, but he wasn't rude or anything. Maybe that's up for debate. Anyways. <laughs> no, I, I don't think he was rude. Um, anyways, but to, to be able to, to think through a conversation to say, you know, here's where, um, and, and this is one of the things that I'm still trying to really master the technique of is whenever I get this feeling in a conversation where, Oh, some, uh, the, the bottom fell out of the conversation. We suddenly hit great depth or at least the potential for depth. And I think usually like my gut starts turning a little bit and I feel awkward and I think, oh, I should probably avoid this. I should change the topic because it's awkward and to realize that no, that might be an opportunity for greater depth to at least extend the invitation to say, oh, it seems like you brought up a really painful topic. Would you like to talk more about it? Or this sounds like it could be a really troublesome thing. Would you like to go deeper? And to to say whatever door they cracked open to say, I'm here for the ride. I'm not, I'm not afraid of having an awkward conversation. Um, so, so learning to be attentive internally, because sometimes, uh, our bodies will be responding to the reality of the the social circumstance before we've really processed. Sometimes it may be minutes or even hours afterward before we can say that was what I was trying as a whole trying to get after. It's just that my mind wasn't catching up. Mm -hmm. So speaking of challenging things, the next little section talks about main points, which are the subjects of controversy um, in, in particular, this is moving forward a little bit more into, there's a little piece here that talks about specifically in our time, how materialism is affecting even Catholics and how this influences our apostolate have, being aware of the reality of materialism, the forms of materialism, especially where they're controversial, um, is important, um, And just to be clear, we got a little dictionary.com definition of materialism. 
one definition is a tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important than spiritual values. I feel like I uh, struggle with this every morning because... We have a very comfortable bed. We do. I like my pillow and I like sleeping and that just seems more important than praying in the morning oftentimes. Materialist. Um, Yeah, definitely first thing in the morning. I'm a bit of a materialist. And then the second one, the doctrine that nothing exists except matter and its movements and modifications. So saying there is no world of ideas, there is no spiritual reality, there is nothing outside of what we see hear, taste, touch, and smell, and feel. Did I say feel? I don't remember. I don't know. Uh, But the world of the senses reveals what the world is. Um, So philosophically, some people are there, but I feel like most of us, uh, what we tend to lapse into is that first definition. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And this is the interesting thing. It says that we should not only learn doctrine more diligently, especially those main points which are subjects of controversy, but should also exhibit the witness of an evangelical life in contrast to all forms of materialism. Mm -hmm. So part of our formation is to just live a life not under the influence of materialism. This is bringing to mind to me um, the story of the student in one of the places that we lived in after having been in our house many, many times, eventually said, I figured out what's different. And finally realized that our living room was, quote, different because it didn't have a television in it. And that was something that was, for us anyways, very subtle. I don't, I never had a television ever in my adult life that I owned. I don't know if Uh, you did or not. One. But for us, when we got married, not having a television was never a big deal. And yet it seems as though, at least maybe especially for college students, that was sort of a witness in contrast <laughs> to their reality, um, which I think is interesting. Just things, thinking about what are things in our homes or in our spaces or what have you that speak loudly, but maybe not necessarily on purpose. But when we're being intentional about having the spiritual realities being more important than the material realities, the choices we make in our physical space. That is pretty huge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is not to downplay the learning of doctrine. It does say to learn doctrine more diligently. Um, this is probably not an excuse to go and binge watch Christian apologists talking about controversial items that, uh, atheists and, and, and such would be bringing up. Um, but it is to say like, we should know the, the, the basics of our faith that we should know um like what what is the highest of reality there's a book by frank sheed called theology and and sanity and he talks about how if we live in a world in which we don't think that god exists we're actually not living in reality like we're not acknowledging like the most important of realities the source of all reality god and so there's something insane about that you know insanity being a rejection of reality a a turning away from reality a a living in a world smaller than reality um and so the, the more we contemplate truths the more we will be stepping outside of materialism Mm -hmm. i think that's a great lead into the section b 
which starts out by saying in regard to Christian renewal of temporal order. Um, so, so basically this whole little section is how do we renew how we see temporal things, both in relation to themselves and the aims of the human person. Not just how we see the temporal things too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it'll go on and say, it's actually our job to renew, to not just renew our eyes, but to renew through our hands the rest of the world. Yes. Um, not not with that language. I, I made that a little bit more poetic. Eyes and hands, you know. But then the, it do, it continues to reinforce that the knowing of doctrine does help to form us so that, quote, this doctrine to the best of their ability and of rightly applying these same principles and con- conclusions to individual cases so that we can more aptly, that end quote ended a little bit ago, we can more aptly um, make good moral decisions in our particular circumstances when we're formed in the doctrine. Um, Well, let's take a moment to unpack the first part. Okay. um, Which I think is what you wanted to do initially. Um, The true meaning and value of temporal things, both in themselves and in relation to all the aims of the human person. So if we don't know what something is worth, then we don't really know the thing. And if we don't know how it figures into um, the the salvation of all of us, the salvation of humans, then we're not really seeing it either. And and for this, I think food is a really poignant example because there's there's on one level this very basic question of like where where does your food come from? Do you understand food systems? Do you understand how food is grown? What goes into you know, getting that food from where it's grown to your table. How do, what do all these processes look like, just practically speaking? But then taking that to the next level of, do I think what I eat, what I put in my body actually matters for my sanctification? Right. And this is, you know, in opposition to materialism, which would say, you know, this is for physical comfort or for just my physical well-being. And my physical well-being is the end all and be all. But to say, no, no, I, I eat in order to be the saint that I'm called to be. Mm-hmm. And what I'm eating is there for my sanctification. Um, and there's the, so if any of you are fans of St. Ignatius of Loyola, founder of the Jesuits, um, and the retreat master of retreat masters with his spiritual exercises, the first principle and foundation of the spiritual exercises is that man is created to know love and reverence oh i should have this memorized no i can do this i can do this man is created to praise reverence and serve god our lord and by this means to save his soul and the other things on the face of the earth are created for man and that they may help him in prosecuting the end for which he is created it goes on from that um but this idea that okay just Full disclosure, I cut out the moment of silence where I walked over to our bathroom mirror to get the principle and foundation off of it and came back and then pretended as if I had it memorized. But really, he was reading it. But anyways, all other things on the face of our earth are created for man that they may help him in prosecuting prosecuting the end for which he is created. 
everything should help us get to heaven. Everything. And we should see that. And we should know that. Like the lunch that I ate today, I should have been eating it. Not like, um, not that it had to be an extraordinarily thought-filled act, right? Virtue doesn't mean I have to think about everything intensely. Uh, virtue means doing the good habitually and with great joy. Well, and, and with something like food, I think it, it also comes to having an appropriate amount of self-awareness of of how we need to grow in virtue in relationship to that thing, whether it be food or whatever, but maybe in the particular example for food. So for one person, that might mean I need to be disciplined and make healthier choices. For another person, that might mean, well, actually, I'm, I'm quite good at making healthy choices, but on my best friend's birthday, I need to actually eat a piece of cake and admit that I like it. Um, so, so having an awareness of what is helping me to know know and experience the love of the Father, and whether that means enjoying a rich, delicious meal on a special occasion for one person, or not eating the things that gives me stomach aches for another person, but that, that there's this awareness of what is my relationship to the thing, whatever it is, and am I seeking to grow closer to God and to become a holier version of myself with this in mind. And as those things become habitual, it doesn't take so much time to think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the habit that we're trying to form is a habit in which, and this goes back to paragraph 16, uh, in Apostolicum Exoositatum, mm -hmm. um, as part of the, the renewal of the temporal order, uh, they should be aware of the fact that they are cooperating with God, the creator, redeemer, and sanctifier, and are giving praise to him. Like that's the habit that we want to be inculcating as we're using the things of this world. Otherwise, we're going to be consumers. And part of what it is to be a consumer is to not be uh, attentive to anything outside of ourself. Um, well, and one of the other things that I like from this paragraph 16 that the laity must seek in the light of faith loftier motives of action, loftier motives of action. And I like that the, the external action might not actually necessarily look different. It's this, is my heart seeking the will of God or not? <laughs> right. And this is one of the things that can also transform conversations, mm. right? Because if a conversation is actually pursued with a loftier motive that changes the kinds of questions we ask and the way in which we listen. But it, it also changes how we consume things and also changes how we might produce things. Mm -hmm. Like we're producing this podcast, some might say, probably just us, to to help with the renewal of the temporal order in the world, to, to equip lay people for apostolic work so that souls might be saved and so that the uh, social fabric might be upheld by by fundamental institutions, stronger families and stronger church, um, ultimately for the greater glory of God and the, the salvation of souls, right? There's no other real reason for this podcast to exist. Mm -hmm. Not making any money yet. Maybe someday. Who knows? I don't, we haven't really <laughs> looked in how to monetize things yet. <laughs> Oh. Well, and I, I think that's an... Oh, advertisements. <laughs> that's how we... 
monetize. <laughs> I don't know I, if that would be my first choice, but but I think this is an interesting uh, the this paragraph starts to talk about all the things that we should be formed in. And I think this is part of why we wanted to start a podcast because there's an overwhelming amount of materials that can help us be formed. And it's, it's difficult to decide what to read, when, what to research, what to dig into and in what order and why, and it does it depend on my state in life and how much sleep have I had and all these different things. And, and to be able to start to put together what does it look like to go through and receive the formation that, that maybe we should have all had from our education and family life, but based on the state of things and more often than not, not out of anybody's intentional malition in our particular lives, we didn't necessarily receive Did it. Did you create a word, malition? <laughs> Maliciousness? What, what's the word I'm trying to find? I think you combined, like, malicious volition. Oh, maybe. I liked it. I, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't trying to quibble. I was like malicious. I get it. Maybe malice would work too. But <laughs> malice—that's probably the word I was looking for. No. Anyways, um, and also just as a note, the next paragraph, paragraph thirty-two, is about formation and and where to get it. So, well, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about, um. Because part of what they're talking about is the renewal of the social order. And the church has a rich, rich, rich body of teaching on uh, what is the social order and what is our role with respect to it. Um, probably the most people would put the starting point with uh, Pope Leo XIII's Rerum Devarum at the, um, towards the end of the 19th century. Rerum Navarum just means on new things. It was written around the time of the Industrial Revolution. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, mid-Industrial Revolution. Um, because the, the world changed very, very rapidly. Mm -hmm. um, and he was addressing, like, these are the principles upon which society is based. Don't, don't, don't mess with these. Um, it, it's an incredible document. Um, this is the where I first had it sink in what uh, private property really meant. Because I'd heard, you know, life, liberty, and private property for years. I had taken a class on uh, John Locke and his philosophy, and he talked about private property. And it never really sank in that what, what they were talking about is if we are lay people, and if we can, we should own private property. And private property is property that is productive, mm -hmm. that we should own the means of production. And they talked about property, especially with regard to an agrarian-based society. Um, but in a more tech-based society, I mean, to own your own equipment, to own um, whatever licenses you might need to operate, to, to own whatever you might need to do the work that you can produce for the, the, the betterment of the world around us. And this is another interesting thing about this paragraph. If we're truly well-formed in uh, what it's talking about in the renewal of the temporal order, um, I, I think a lot of people would become very dissatisfied with their jobs. I, I don't know if you know this because I don't think you've actually experienced it. Go on. But I think most people 
are very dissatisfied with their jobs. So, I've heard this, but the the kicker is most people who are dissatisfied don't know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. Right? They don't. They see my job doesn't seem to be worth anything. It doesn't seem to be leading anywhere. I don't know what the point is. And if that's where they stop, and they don't actually take the step back and say, "What is the common good? What are my talents? What are my gifts? What are my abilities? What are my connections? My history?" Uh, what are my hopes, my dreams, what are my possibilities, and how can I actually add to the the well-being of those around me? It's like those questions are just so, they're so um, liberating mm-hmm. that they, they give a freedom to act in accord to a higher good. There are risks involved, of course, in um, Catholic social teaching, but... Also, if people are following Catholic social teaching, there's usually a pretty decent social fabric to catch them if need be. Well, and I think part of that risk is trusting in God's will for our lives, being able to step out in faith and say, I'm, I'm going to leave this job that I hate. And maybe I've built up some sort of safety net, have a couple things in mind, but trust that I can figure out something else. So I think that this is a decent segue to the next little bit, because I think the next little bit shows things that can be done even in the midst of maybe having a chunk of life that is generally miserable and maybe not tenable for a long period of time. And adds to that social fabric. Yes. Yes. So since the works of charity and mercy express the most striking testimony of the Christian life, Apostolic formation should also lead to the performance of these works so that the faithful may learn from childhood on to have compassion for their brethren and to be generous in helping those in need, which is that beautiful reminder of our call to to love and show mercy to those around us, to help those in need in ways that we're able, and that this is actually life-giving and actually builds up that social fabric and actually elevates us and those that we're serving. And if you're wondering where to start, uh, anywhere, (laughs) I I think is usually the best answer. Well, and and I think this is a beautiful thing, right? I mean, there's most cities have a soup kitchen or somewhere that you can volunteer to help those who are in physical poverty. But I'm always amazed i don't maybe i shouldn't be at this point at at the relational poverty so even things like being really friendly with the checkout person with the cashier it can actually be a work of mercy um so if you have particular situations where you can step outside of yourself and bring a meal to a family that just had a baby or suffered a loss or do something else that that's maybe outside of your norm that's awesome, but there are things that we can even do inside of our norm to show charity and mercy. Right. Charity and mercy shouldn't be uh, just things that you schedule in for particular moments in your week. They should actually be part of the, I'm going to use the word fabric, even though I was just talking about social fabric, but they should be part of the fabric of our lives. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And And when we're formed in those virtues, when we practice doing those things, then it becomes second nature and it doesn't even need to feel like 
stepping outside of ourselves or doing something different. It just, that's why this learning from childhood is important, maybe. I wonder, though, if there might be a uh, kind of correlation between, you know, uh, I think this is even in the catechism where it says that in order to pray at all times, one must first pray at set times. Mm. Right. If we if we don't make set aside time for prayer, then we won't actually be able to pray at all times like the, the one precedes the other. And maybe there is something to to saying, well, I'm going to schedule going to the soup kitchen. I'm going to schedule going to this. I'm going to go on that mission trip. I'm going to mm-hmm. schedule um, volunteering at the um, every single service organization has fled from my mind. Do you have, do you have, do you have any? <laughs> well, uh, service organizations weren't coming to my mind, but I was thinking about visiting. Oh, uh, what is it called? Kiwanis? Yeah. Lions Club? There are a bunch of them. Or visiting a, a homebound or elderly family member that isn't able to get out. There's lots and lots of things. But actually, it probably would be, be- beneficial for us to to take time and to schedule it in more regularly and to say, you know, if I want to be charitable and merciful throughout my life, then I first need to choose to be charitable and merciful at these moments. Particular moments. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. It doesn't say that in the document, folks. I just made it up. Just kind of what we like to do here on this podcast. No, we try to extrapolate judiciously, prudentially, um, from what, Well, for the good things we've gotten. Yes, but I I think that's what you just did. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Don't just make things up. No, but I think that was a legitimate extrapolation. Um connections being made i think that's one of the benefits of the formation we've received is that we can you especially you're good at connecting dots from one place to another place we shall see over time if that's going to hold up and with that we should probably wrap up this particular podcast thank you dear listener for listening and like we've been mentioning of late if you are enjoying listening Leaving reviews and and stars and the likes is helpful. And we have an email address, ouroutpost at gmail.com. If you've got any thoughts, questions, comments, feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Again, that's ouroutpost, O-U-R-O-U-T-P-O-S-T at gmail.com. Um, it does sound funnier when we spell it out loud. <laughs> Um, and then we have the Facebook page for basically, we've just been using that for letting people know another episode is up, but you, you don't need that if you just subscribe. Um, and if you subscribe and leave a review, someone else might find the podcast because of what you did, or you could just tell people about it. I think that's actually more human way to, to spread things is to, to let people, we, we let friends of ours know about it and we're basically banking on them telling people at this point we shall see circumventing that is giving us a five-star review that that would (laughs) circumvent it i'm okay with that though um it's a both and kind of condition like five-star review and personal recommendation anyway paragraph 31 um it seems like a bit of a teaser because it says hey you know 
when you're talking to believers and unbelievers, you need more formation. Hey, if you're renewing the temporal order, which means you're a lay person, because that's what we lay people do, um, you need more formation. And hey, uh, you should be better formed, and that should be leading to like works of charity and mercy. Um, you might be, you know, like they didn't really talk about what we need in terms of the formation for these things, just that we need it. But that is next week. Next week is them talking about resources, and so we're going to throw resources at you as well. Get ready. All right. And with that, let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as, as it was in the beginning, beginning is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. From our outpost to yours, thanks for listening. And a special thanks to John Mark Skoke. That's S-K-O-C-H. For the music. Check him out on Spotify. 